0: guests with us this morning. I want to welcome you once again. Uh, My name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here, and uh, we are very grateful and thankful that you're here with us this morning. Uh, If you are a guest, we are uh, in a series on the book of Genesis, and so if you have your Bibles, I invite all of us to turn to uh, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one maybe under the seat in front of you. Verses will eventually be on the screen as well. Uh, But we are in Genesis chapter 15 this morning. Now, before we jump into the text and read it, I want to take the time to thank you uh, for allowing me to go to Italy uh, a couple weeks ago. So uh, I was invited to go to this conference where there was about 90 church planters that gathered together for a time of uh, refreshment and encouragement Uh, I had the opportunity to give five messages to uh, a group of people that are serving in some of the most difficult contexts uh, in the world today. So there are families who have moved from the United States and they're living in uh, Saudi Arabia, living in India, Indonesia, Malaysia, Turkey, Morocco, Egypt. And so these countries and the people groups that live within these countries are some of the most unreached peoples uh, in the world today. These peoples have little to no access to uh, the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we spent that week together uh, looking at uh, the word of God and reminding each other of the truths of the gospel. And I told them as uh, we tell each other every time we gather together um, in this space that, uh, that the truths of the gospel are not just an entrance into the kingdom of God, though they are, because faith uh, comes through the hearing of the word of God, the hearing of the gospel, the hearing of what Jesus accomplished. We put our faith and trust in him, and when we do, we are brought into the kingdom of God. But it's not just that. The truths of the gospel are what sustains us and enables us to walk through this life as being followers of Jesus. Because you can imagine moving to a place, taking your your family to a, a country where the risk of physical harm and even death is your reality every single day as a result of being a follower of Jesus. And what is going to sustain you in the midst of that reality? I mean, just imagine taking your, your family or, or if you don't have a family individually, going to a country where the, the, the reality of being a follower of Jesus, the reality of that is that you may face physical harm or you may face death this day today as simply as a result of being a follower of Jesus. What is going to enable you to walk out the commands of Christ? I mean, what is going to keep you and your family there in the midst of this reality where your future is so uncertain and you're wrestling with the reality of fear and of doubts? Now, you don't have to move to Saudi Arabia to experience fear and doubt and uncertainty, do you? I mean, we experience this every single day here in Northern, Oklahoma. Life is full of uncertainty. Life is full of uncertainty. Fear, when we begin to think about our future and when the uncertainty of our future is hit, we're hit with it, what does that produce? It produces fear. And so we're going to see as we walk through the text this morning that really ultimately the life of a Christian is a life of trust. But the battleground really is in this time of uncertainty, this time of what if, this time when we're facing the uncertainty of our future and we're faced with the reality of the fears and doubts that we experience in the moment, in the fire, are we really going to trust in the promises that God makes to us in the gospel? uh, How do we cling to it and, and how do we know we can actually trust him? right? I mean, how do we know when our life is dependent upon it, when we're facing fear and we're facing the reality of of suffering, how do we know that God's going to be faithful to keep his promises? That's what we're going to see in our text this morning. We're going to see that Abraham experienced this. We experienced this. Nothing has changed. The life of a Christian or life that God accepts and is pleasing to him is a life of one who trusts him. When God says, I'm going to be what I'm going to be and I'm going to do for you, what I promise to do for you, our response as Christians is, I trust you. I trust. Now, it's not that easy, is it? And we're going to see all that as we walk through this text this morning. So let's let's look at verse one. Genesis chapter 15, verse one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will now be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And God said to Abram, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and accounted to him as righteousness. Verse seven, and God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And Abram said, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And God said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Abram brought him these things, all of these, and cut them in half and laid each over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of the prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I will give this land from the re- river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the catamonites the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephame, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergeshites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of sites. Let's pray. Father, let us not take for granted the reality that you have come to us and you have spoken to us and that you desire to speak to us this morning. That, Father, you have spoken to us in your word and you have spoken to us most clearly in your Son who is the word. And so, Father, as we come to your word this morning we ask that you will give us eyes to see that you will give us ears to hear for whether we know it or not our our souls are desperately desperate need of hearing your voice this morning and being comforted by who you are and what you promise to be for us and what you promise to do for us and so father as we dive into your word and as we look at it in depth we ask that you would speak through me for it is not my word, it is your word that we long to hear. And I am simply an instrument, Father, so use me, speak through me, that we may all hear your voice this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we saw last week, if you, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back to our website uh, and listen to the, the sermon that was preached last week. We saw in chapter 14 that were just a few hundred men Abram defeated some very, very powerful armies. All right, so in in chapter 15, here in our text, he knows that his name is probably on the radar for retaliation. And so we find Abram in this state of uncertainty or this state of fear. His mind and his heart and his soul is gripped by this question, what if? What if these kings and these armies come after me? What if they retaliate and what if they hurt me? What if they hurt my family? What does this mean for my future and what does this mean for the future of my people, the future of my family? He was wrestling and struggling with the question what if? Now, we all have been there, haven't we? Really wrestling with this question of what if. When we think about our future, when we think about our lives, when we think about the future of our families, when we think about provision, when we think about really everything about the future, when we begin to think about the future, it produces this question within us, what if? And this question, if you think about it, always, or for the most part, always produces this fear or this uncertainty within us. What if something happens to me? What if something happens to my wife? What if something happens to my family? What if something happens to my kids? What if the medicine doesn't work? What if I lose my job? What if I cannot pay the bills next month? All of these questions lead us to this place of uncertainty. And uncertainty, a lot of times, takes us to this this dark and this hopeless and this lonely place that Abram was experiencing where he came face to face with one of his greatest enemies, and that is fear itself. So guys, this is the natural human condition. Abram struggled with it, and every single person in this room, every single one of us, we experience it and we taste this reality. It doesn't matter how mature you are in your faith. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It, it doesn't matter even if you come into this place and you do not profess faith in Jesus Christ. We all experience from one time or another this dark and this lonely place of the what-ifs in life of uncertainty, of fear, of doubt, of really wrestling, can I really trust God? Now, I shared this story when I was at the conference recently, and some of you have heard it because I shared with with you guys uh, several years ago, but before I became a pastor of Providence Road, I I worked for this uh, mission-sending organization, actually the, the, the organization that put on this conference, and so for four years, I served as director of U.S. operations, and so I had the opportunity over the course of four years to, to send hundreds of people to, to, to places that have little to no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, during my time with that organization, I actually had the opportunity to join my boss in going to a four-country tour. So we went to Jordan, Israel, Qatar, and northern Iraq. And the purpose of that trip was to go and meet our workers and to see all that God is doing through them to extend the kingdom of God in some of the most unreached places in the world today. And so uh, we had recently just left Qatar And we had to transit in Jordan before going to uh, northern Iraq. And so, uh, again, I was with my boss. We get off this plane in Jordan, and we come to two doors. Now, one door led to baggage claim, and the other door led to the international terminal, which actually would take us to northern Iraq, but that's not what I saw. I saw two doors. One which led to life and one which led to potential death. You see, during my time on that trip, I was struggling with the decision to go to northern Iraq, and I was overcome by fear. I was overcome uh, by fear as a result of asking these questions, what if? What if I lose my life as a result of going to northern Iraq? What if I won't see my wife and my kid again? And so when I got off that plane, guys, I had a decision to make. Was I going to trust God, even in my uncertainty and my fears and my doubt, was I going to trust in all that he promises to be for me and all that he promises to do for me and walk in the uncertainty and walk in the fear which led me to northern Iraq, or was I going to not believe the promises of God? Was I going to not trust in the promises of God and choose life and stay in Jordan? I chose life. I chose to stay in Jordan. I chose to live in fear and not in the promises that God makes to me. You see, here's our reality. Every single day we face these two doors. Are we going to live? In fear, are we going to live by the promises that God makes to to us? Every single moment of our Christian life, we are faced with this struggle. Who or what are we actually going to trust in? Are we going to trust in our homes to protect us? Are we going to trust in our, our government to protect us? Are we going to trust in ourselves, which always tells us to take the easy path? Are we going to trust in this world and the advice the world that gives us that always going to tell us, do whatever makes you happy? Every single one of us, we listen and we trust in something or someone for ultimate uh, security and protection and provision. I mean, I thought my home was pretty safe until it got broken into. Can it really protect me? I mean, can we really trust in our government for ultimate protection? I mean, can I really listen to the advice of this world? Can I really listen to myself? Who or what can we actually trust in? I mean, guys, when we are face-to-face with the uncertainty of our future and when fear grips our souls or when depression overwhelms us or when darkness overwhelms us, in the midst of that, guys, when, when we are faced with that reality, who or what can we actually trust in? What can we bank on? in moments and times like that. Look at verse one again. In the midst of Abram's fear, in the midst of uncertainty, we are told that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Guys, do not miss the significance of this, of this verse. The word of the Lord came to Abram. Now don't miss this because here is the significance. The Lord came to Abram, not when Abram had this, 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 uh, this solid trust and faith in God. He actually came to him in the midst of his fears, in the midst of his doubts, in the midst of the uncertainty of, of, of his future. The Lord came to him when he was not fully trusting in God. God did not abandon him. He didn't leave him alone to figure out things on his own. He didn't didn't abandon uh, Abram because he was doubting God or he didn't fully trust God. He came to him and what did God do when he came to him? God gave Abram the cure. He gave him the cure for his fears. God gave Abram the weapon that his heart and his mind and soul can use to fight this battle of uncertainty. God gave Abram what his heart actually needed for him to trust God in the moments of the what if. And what did God give him? God gave Abram the only thing, listen, the only thing that is certain in Abram's life, in your life, in my life. God gave Abram the himself. God gave Abram this rock-solid truth of who God is. He says to him in verse one, he says, fear not, Abram. Fear not. Do not worry about your future. Don't worry about if these kings are going to come after you. Don't worry about if, if you're going to have this provision in the future. He says, I am. He says, I am your shield. He says, I am your reward. So guys, don't miss this. These two words I am is what sustains us in this life, in the good times, in the bad time, because these two words are the only thing that is certain in Abram's life and your life and my life. When when your future begins to overwhelm you, and if it's not overwhelming you, now it will, because you've all experienced it, haven't you? You've always experienced this what if of the future and it begins to overwhelm you and you begin to have uncertainty and you begin to have fear. When that comes over you, when that is your reality, the only thing that you can be certain of are these two words. I am. Guys, I'm telling you the truth. It's not not me telling you. It's God telling you that that these are the most precious and these are the most powerful words our souls must cling to every moment of all of our lives as we walk out this Christian faith, I am. It's the only thing we have. You don't know your future. I don't know my future. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this, that amidst the uncertainty, the thing that we can be certain of is God will always be who he says he will be, always. For Abram, the greatest news and the cure for his soul as he's thinking about his future and the king's coming and and retaliating and taking his life and and his family and, and his people is fear not, for I am your reward. I am your shield. I am your provider. So think about your life. What do you need God to be for you right now? What are your fears? What are your doubts? What are your what ifs? God graciously came to Abram and he met him in the midst of his doubts and fears. And here's the good news for us God does the very same thing for us. He hasn't stopped speaking. You may believe that in this moment that you've been crying out to him and you haven't heard his voice. You you feel like darkness has, has veiled his face. But guys, he has not stopped speaking. He never changes. And so this morning, God wants to meet us in our fears and our doubts and the uncertainties of life and speak to us. And he has spoken. How has he spoken? In his word. He's given us his word. And he speaks to us and says over us this morning, I am. I am your shield. I am your protector. I am your reward. Not your family. I am your reward. I am your salvation. I am your assurance. I am your sovereign king. Everything that we need in this life is given to us in these two words, I am. So the question is, are we listening to his word? If not, then we have to ask the next question, what are we listening to? You listening to yourself? Are you listening to the advice of this world? Are you listening to the enemy? If you're listening to the enemy, here's what the enemy will do to you. He'll actually come to you. So the Lord comes to you, but the enemy will come to you and the enemy will speak lies and this is his greatest lie. He will say to you that the Lord will not be faithful to you because you're not faithful to him. The enemy will come to you and he will speak over you. He will whisper in your ears. He will say, God has abandoned you because you have not been faithful to keep your word and promises to him. God will not be faithful to you because you doubt him or you have this lack of faith or this lack of trust. He will not meet you in the midst of your fears and uncertainty because you have abandoned him. But that's not true. It's a lie. And we need to tell the enemy that. Because here's the question. Did God abandon Abram and his unfaithfulness to trust him? No. He came to him. He came to him when Abram was, his faith was weak, when his faith was wavering. And the purpose of God coming to him was to actually increase and restore his faith. So he didn't leave Abram abandoned in his, in, in his lack of faith and in, in uncertainty and doubt and fear. He actually came to him and reminded him of all the promises that he is for him and what he promises to do for the purpose of increasing his faith in God. And in verse six, it tells us that Abram believed the Lord and accounted to him as righteousness. Now, what does this mean? This is huge. We preached on it as we went through the book of Romans. Romans. What does it mean that Abram believed the Lord and accounted to him as righteousness? Ultimately, what this means is that our relationship with God and Abram's relationship with God is determined or is based on faith. It's based on trust, which means when God says to us, "I promise to do this for you if you trust me," and we trust Him, then we will receive that, and that makes us right with Him. I, A life that is pleasing, a life that God accepts is one that simply trusts him and banks on him and walks in that by trusting and believing in him. But listen very carefully. This is really, really huge for us to see. Abram did not have perfect faith. He doubted, didn't he? He lacked faith. And so the greatest news for Abram and the greatest news for you and me is that in the midst of this, in the midst of Abram not having this perfect faith, God remained faithful to him. Why? Because Abram's relationship with God and our relationship with God, listen very carefully, is not determined by the strength of our faith. It's not determined by the the strength of our trust in him. It is 100% dependent upon the object of our faith and that is, the, and that is Christ, that is God. And so listen to this, this is, this is very important. God's faithfulness then to Abram and you and me isn't determined by our faithfulness. It's determined by his faithfulness. And because it's determined by his faithfulness, God is 100% faithful to always keep his promise. Even in our faltering faith, even when our faith is weak, God is 100% faithful to always, 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 always keep his promise, no matter if our faith is weak or we're doubting him or we're not trusting in him, as we should. Now, how do we know this is true? I mean, how do we know that in the midst of us doubting, in the midst of us wrestling with faith, How do we we know for certain that God will always be faithful to us, that that his great I am's will always be ours, that he will not leave us, that he will not forsake us? I mean, how how can we bank on this truth that God will always do what he says he will do? Look at verse seven. Now there's a lot of stuff here, so just kind of stay with me. We're gonna read this again together. God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, Of the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. But Abram said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And God said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, and a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And so he brought him all of these, and he cut them in half, and laid each half against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of the prey came down the carcasses Abram drove them away and as the sun was going down a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold dreadful and great darkness fell upon him then the Lord said to Abram he says no for certain so bank on this that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that there's not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years so there's going to be suffering But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they should come out with great possessions. And as for yourself, you should go to your fathers in peace, and they should be buried in a good old age, and you should be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now watch this. He says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Now stay with me, guys. If you've checked out, you've got to come back, okay? This is huge. If we do not build our faith and trust in God on what is is in this text, then what we're going to do is we're going to build our house of faith on shifting sand and we're going to be tossed to and fro by the wind and waves of life, right? So this is absolutely huge for us to see what's happening here. So what's happening is this, God is telling Abram his future. And so God is telling Abram, he says, hey, this, these things are going to happen, but I'm going to be faithful to keep my promises. I'm going to give you some land, Abram, I promise. Now, there's going to be suffering. He's actually telling us uh, what the Israelites are going to do, 400 years of slavery in Egypt, but he's going to rescue them in the, in the book of Exodus. And they're going to, they're going to come out. But for, for Abram, he's like, I, I, I'm going to give you a people. I'm going to give you an heir. My, you, can, you can bank on it. You can, you can trust me. Now, at this point, Abram asks the million dollar question, doesn't he? He asks a question that I'm assuming every one of us would ask. He's like, but how do I, how do I, how do I really know, right? Like, how do I know that you are going to do what you say that you're going to do? I mean, I still don't have a child. I got this Joker over here who's gonna be my heir. I don't want him to be my heir. You said that I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you know, a family that, uh, as numerous as the stars, but you still haven't given me a child. And I'm still like just wandering, and now I got these kings coming after me. How do I actually know that you are going to do what you say you're going to do? How can I trust you? Now, this is huge. Listen to this. What God does is he tells Abram to get some animals. All right, and so Abram gets these animals and he cuts them into pieces. So he takes a, a heifer and a goat and a ram and, and he slaughters them and he divides uh, the pieces of the animals and he puts them here and he puts them here. And so as he divides the carcasses, he actually makes a path for them to walk through these slaughtered animals. Now, this doesn't make much sense to us because we don't, we don't, we don't do this type of stuff. Like what's happening here is, is God is entering into a covenant with someone. And so we don't, you know, I have someone come over and fix my door. It's not like I say, hey, we're going we're gonna to make this covenant, right? If, if I'm faithful to provide for you and you're faithful to, to, to uh, fix my door, uh, then we're good to go. If not, then let what's happened to these animals happen to me. We, we don't do that, but that's what's happening here, guys. Basically, what's happening is in a covenant... What happens is, is they take these animals and they divide it. And basically the, the, the parties walk through the, the, the divided animals. And what they're saying to one another is this. They're saying, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, if I'm not faithful to keep my word, if I break this covenant, then let what has happened to the animals happen to me. Now, what do you think is going on in Abram's mind and soul and heart? I mean he knows what's going on here, right? He's terrified. Why? Because of the what ifs. What if I don't keep my end of the bargain? What if I am What if I'm not faithful to keep this covenant? I mean, what if I begin to doubt God like I have been doing right now and like I did moments ago? Listen, it is a dreadful thought to enter into a covenant relationship with the God of all creation who is perfect in all of his ways. I mean, Abram sees that and he knows that he's just an imperfect, doubtful, fearful creature. And he knows that if this covenant is dependent upon his faithfulness, whew, he's going to end up like the heifer and the goat and the ram. And so, what happens? I mean, darkness and fear comes back over Abram. We see a pattern, right? Darkness and fear comes back over him once again. And it says in the text that dreadful and darkness fell upon him because he begins to think about this covenant relationship that he has to enter into the God of all creation who's perfect. And he knows he's probably not going to keep this covenant. So then his future is one of not hope, but it's hopelessness because he's going to end up like this heifer. Guys, we see the most amazing thing happen. And this is what we have to bank our life on. This is what we have to bank our faith on. This is what we have to bank our future on. Picture it being dark. The sun goes down. It's dark outside. All there is is stars in the sky and the moon, and it's kind of lighting up a little bit. Sun goes down. It's dark outside. And we're told that a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these two Pieces of animal, these, 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 these animals. So on that dreadful night, in the midst of a heart, guys, that was fearful, a heart that was weak, a heart that was doubting, a heart that was wavering in trust, a heart that was looking at his future and saying, what if, God, what if I'm not faithful? What if I don't keep my end of the bargain? So in the midst of that, we see this, this, this fireball and this, folk, uh, this, this, this flame go between these animals And so on that night, there was only one person who walked through those animals and it wasn't Abram. It was God. And so what this means is is on that night, Abram knew that this covenant, right? This covenant relationship that God is going to be faithful to keep his promises and always do what he promises to do was not dependent upon Abram. It wasn't dependent upon the the strength of his faith and trust. It was 100% dependent upon the great I am who was always faithful to keep his promises, always. God alone walked through those animals that night and said to Abram, if I am not faithful in keeping my end of the bargain, if I am not faithful in keeping my promise to you, then let what has happened to the animals happen to me. Trust me, Abram. You can trust me. You can bank on me. You can believe me. For I promise you, I promise you that I'll always be faithful, that I will never break my promise to you. He's saying to to Abram, he's like, you're going to waver and you're going to doubt and you're going to fear, you're going to struggle to continue to believe and trust me. But I promise you, Abram, I will always be faithful to you and I will always be your great I am. How amazing is this news for us that in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our faltering faith, anyone else have this? Anyone else experience that? Or is it just me? In the midst of it, guys, God is 100% faithful to keep his promises to us because you know what? He's entered into a covenant relationship with you and me. And it wasn't through the blood of goats. It wasn't through the blood of, of, uh, of heifers or rams. It was through the blood of his infinite, valuable son, Jesus Christ. You see, on that hill outside of Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago, God made a promise to you. He made a promise to me. As he took his perfect son, Jesus Christ, and he slaughtered him, Jesus Christ, the infinite valuable son of God, willing to lay down his life like a sheep to be led to the slaughter and he was slaughtered for us. And so by a result of that, you know what Christ did on the cross for us? He purchased for us all the promises that God will always be your great I am. And he comes to us this morning, just like he did Abram, and he says, if you trust me, If you trust in my son, Jesus Christ, all of my I am's will be yours. Always. Guys, let us just stop for a moment and let us think about God's infinite power. That he is the one who puts kings and kingdoms in place. That all the governments in the world today, you know how they got there? God sovereignly orchestrated the events to put them there. I mean, think about how God provides for the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and aren't you more precious than they are? I mean, think about his unending treasure chest of his goodness. Think about how he promises that if, you're, if, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sin and wash it away and never count it against you ever because it was counted against his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, think about his promise to give you a new spirit to put his spirit within you, which is the new covenant. I will put my spirit within you to change your nature, to change your desires, that you actually love me and follow me. I mean, think about his promise to make you holy and blameless. Think about his promise to one day return and rule over the new heavens and the new earth and its goodness and righteousness. It's all yours. How, Why? Because Jesus purchased all of them for you at the cross. All of them. And so this morning, we can bank on it. We can trust it. He will always be the great I am for us because the blood of Jesus tells us so. At this point, your response is amen. Guys, that is the truth of the gospel. Do you see why you gotta bank your life every day on the truth of the gospel? And the truth of the gospel is all that God is for you and all that he promises to be for you and do for you in and through his son, Jesus Christ, who purchased all of these things for you at the cross. And they will never be taken away, ever. Now, if you've fallen asleep, you can wake back up. What does this actually mean for our lives? Okay, how does this like play out in our everyday life? Especially, how does it play, off, play out in the midst of, as, as we're tasting fear of our future, or as we, we're in a dark and lonely place where we've been crying out to God for, for some time and he's, just, he's not answering. He seems to be nowhere around. Well, I mean, what happens when we, when we feel numb and dead inside and we don't feel anything at all? You've been there? So what do we do in the midst of that? Before I left to go to Italy, I found myself once again in a place of being afraid. So I I think I have a pattern as well, uh, like Abram, and I'm assuming you guys do too. What if something happens to the plane, right? Like there's a lot going on with planes these days. What happens if something happens to the plane? Like what if, right? Like what what if, what if I, um, what, what if I, when I leave, someone breaks into my house again and my wife and my kids are there and I'm not there? Like what if I don't get to see my wife and my kids again as a result of going on this trip to Italy, now, in this moment, a few days before I went to Italy, guys, I, I, I was wanting to call, call Stephanie DeVos. She's part of that organization. I was like, hey, I'm not going. I don't want to go. But I knew that the Lord had called me to go. I knew he called me to go to encourage these families who are risking their lives every single day for the, for the glory and the name of spreading Christ's name among a people who have never heard. And so one morning, guys, just a couple days before I was supposed to get on that plane, I was reading in Isaiah and I came to chapter 43 and it says this. Fear not, Blake, for I have redeemed you. I added Blake in there. It doesn't really say that. Fear not, Blake, for I have redeemed you. He goes on to say, the Lord goes on to say, I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters of uncertainty, I will be with you. When you walk through the fires of of fear, they will not overwhelm you. Why? For I am. I am the Lord your God. I am your sovereign king. I am your savior. I am your redeemer. I have promised to never leave you. I have promised to never forsake you. I am the one who saved you. I am the one who called you by name. I am the one who rules over all kings and kingdoms in this world. I am the one who has all authority over things seen and unseen. I am your God. You can trust me. You can get on that plane. And you can go. And in that moment, guys, I heard his voice. He has spoken to me and he's spoken to you. Isaiah 43 is all of yours if you are in Christ. And I listened to him. Now, I still had some fear and I still had some uncertainty, but I, I, I walked in it. Because as I was listening to his voice, my faith and trust in him increased, and I walked through the, through the rivers of uncertainty and the fear of fires. And I got on that plane. I was faithful to do what he called me to do. Why? Because he's faithful to do all, what he promises to do. But once again, when I got on that plane, fear began to come over my soul once again. And what did I do? I went back to these promises. Fear not, Blake, for I'm with you. You You're precious in my sight. I love you, proud of you. You You're mine. And he increased my faith just a little bit. I cling to it with every ounce of faith that I had in my body, which seemed just like a little ounce. And I kept on walking though it felt like a limp. You know what I'm saying? But I was clinging to the promises of what God has made to me. He has spoken to me in his word. So here is the question, guys. Do you long to hear the voice of God like Abram? I mean, would you give anything this morning to hear him speak to you and to quiet your fears, to quiet your uncertainty, to quiet your what-ifs, to quiet your doubts with himself? you long for assurance that your future is secure in the blood-brought promises of Christ? You long for his peace? You long for his assurance? You long to trust him in the midst of the what-ifs in life? Then if that describes you, which I hope it describes all of us, that we long to hear his voice, then let hope arise within us this morning. Let the joy of our salvation return. Why? For God has spoken. And he speaks to us this morning. He speaks to us through his word He speaks to us in and through his word. So, if you long for comfort, if you long for assurance, if you long to trust in the midst of uncertainty and doubts and fear, then the question is, are you a person of his word? You love his word. Do you stake your life on his word? Do you spend time daily in his word, listening to his voice? Is your missional community family a family that's centered on his word? In your fight clubs, is he the voice that you're listening to? Dads, it's Father's Day. i got to speak to you. Like, are, are, you, are you leading your family to love and treasure his word? As you eat dinner, are you talking about his word? Are you talking about who he is? Are you talking about what he has done? Maybe spending time throughout the week reading the Bible together as a family and praying over your kids talking about the word as you, as, you, as you drive to wherever you go. Dads, that's us. That's on us to lead that. Because here's the reality, guys. Church, we cannot neglect his word. Because your life and my life, your future and my future, your doubts and my doubts, your obedience to follow Jesus into suffering, And my obedience to follow Jesus into suffering hangs on the promises of God. Because this we can be certain of. Your health will fade and my health will fade. Our lives are going to end, guys. Your life is going to end. My life is going to end. We don't know when that is, but you can guarantee that's going to happen. There will be suffering in this life. God does not, when you become a Christian, say, hey, everything's gonna be roses and you're not gonna have a suffering. There will be suffering. There will be times of doubts. There will be times of fear. There will be times of wavering faith. But this is what we need to cling to. This is what we need to be certain of. And this is what we need to treasure with every single part of our soul. This rock solid truth that God will always be faithful to those who continue to trust in him, fight to trust in him to the end. He will always be faithful. And so when times of darkness overwhelm you, when, when, when you begin to fear, when you begin to ask the what ifs of, of, of the future and they begin to overwhelm you, in the midst of all that, guys, as a result of the truth that God will always be our great I am, because of this truth, in the midst of everything in life brings us, we can still sing the truth. My hope is built on nothing less. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust this sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid the rock. I stand; all other ground is sinking saying Where darkness seems to hide His face, His face, the capital H, His face. I rest on what. His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is my hope and my stay. When he shall come, and he's coming. When he shall come, the trumpet sound, oh, they in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone, spotless to stand before his throne. Take hope, my friends. I know it seems that I'm kind of yelling at you this whole time. Take hope. This is the best news ever. This is what we can bank our life on. Rest assured when everything in your life is uncertain, this you can be certain certain of. God will always keep his promises. Always. Always, 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 always. That's who he is. The blood of Jesus tells us so. He will always, always, always be our great I am. And that is something to worship him and give thanks for. Amen? Amen? Amen! Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we are grateful and thankful that you are our great I am, that everything that we need in this life today and tomorrow and in the future, you promise to give us and be for us as a result of the promise and the covenant that you have made to us in and through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we sit here this morning and, and we face this uncertainty of our future and if doubts begin to come into our hearts and our soul and as fear kind of begins to overwhelm us and darkness hide your face and we can't feel your presence and and we are in a place of what feels like hopelessness father we can be full of hope and cling to this promise that you will always be our great i am and that you will always be faithful to us even in the times when we are fighting with every piece of our soul and body and strength is this simply trust Father, we thank you that all these promises are not dependent upon us. It's not dependent upon the strength of our faith, but you promise to be for us and do for us all of these things simply because you promise to be and do for us all of these things. It's the promise you've made. And that's such good news for our souls and our minds and our future and our present. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.